Hello and welcome to I'm Not Doing This Without Alcohol. My name is Denise Ferguson from Fine Surveyors and today I am here with Heidi Metcalf. Hi Heidi, how are you? Hi, good, thank you. You, Denise? Yes, I'm really good, but I have just realised that I've forgotten to grab a drink. So, <laughs> did you manage to remember to grab a drink? No, no oh, time. Oh, God! No, it's fine. Well, exactly what happened to me. I was just ran upstairs from having dinner and was like, shit. So, I forgot to grab a drink. So, I'm not doing this without alcohol, without alcohol. Yeah, Sorry, people. after, after maybe. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think I've just been telling you about the big argument I've had with my family about being useless at Christmas. So if everyone can hear my family having um, Christmas songs in the background, that's because I told them that they had to help me put the Christmas decorations up. So they've taken that in full spirit. And I'm now here wanting them to stop bloody singing Christmas carols so I can record this. So if you can hear it in the background, just think of it as a merry cheer and not their way of punishing me for making them put Christmas decorations up. Anyway. Heidi, what is your business called and what do you do? Okay, so my business is called Well Minds Online and we offer um, counselling therapy by either phone or by video call. Um, do you want to know some more about when we're established? Absolutely. Tell okay. me, I'd love to know what type of counselling. Okay, so all sorts of counselling. The main things that we can help our clients with is um, stress and anxiety, um, depression, bereavement, self-esteem issues, relationship issues, that kind of thing. Um, we were established actually during the first lockdown, so relatively new business. Um, and I'm a psychotherapist myself, so that lockdown gave me some space to actually think about a passion of mine that's been kind of in my mind for a long time and that is about trying to identify and provide solutions for barriers as to why people don't go for counselling when they have problems and issues that actually they could benefit from psychotherapy. Why do you think people do hold off from having therapy because I personally um, advocate it for everyone I think mm. therapy I, 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 as I say quite a lot to the people that I think should have therapy I've never met um, anyone young to old that wouldn't benefit from um, mm. having therapy so what do you think is the barrier for people I think there's lots of barriers um, I think sometimes people worry that um, they're going to be judged and that their issue isn't bad enough to go for counselling or that some of maybe the darker thoughts that they have is going to shock people or worry people or upset people. But of course, we're trained to um, expect the unexpected, if you like. But I think from a kind of logistical point of view and keep people's lifestyles, there's lots that kind of get in the way and kind of take priority. So, for instance, if... Um, if people have got really busy lives and they can't fit in anything else, you know, travel to see someone face to face, finding somewhere to park, going after work or having it interrupt their working week um, can just add more stress. People who um, struggle to leave their homes, so if they've got caring um, responsibilities because they've got a physical disability, maybe they've got young children and they just can't get out of the house um, at the drop of a hat. Um, so there's lots of things that get in the way. And I think the other thing is as well that a lot of organisations at the moment um, have waiting lists. So once the person has plucked up the courage to seek some help, which is a big step in the first place, 
often they're faced with quite lengthy waiting times. And during that waiting, they can convince themselves that there isn't a problem, that the problem's now disappeared, that it wasn't that bad anyway. And then they kind of come off that waiting list until the next time that problem comes up and the whole cycle starts again. So I think there's lots of barriers that get in the way. And we've tried to think about how we can maybe overcome some of those. So from a waiting point of view, um, we manage our resource really well so that we have counsellors available within 24 hours of the um, client's initial um, consultation. So if they want to speak to someone so quickly, we can arrange that for them. Um, we also make sure as well that um, they can access sessions um, during the day, at evenings and at weekends. So we're trying really to kind of work around everybody else's commitments and provide something that is workable for them. Um, so really kind of bringing counselling to the client um, is a relatively new concept within psychotherapy. I think the, the pandemic and the lockdowns have kind of forced us to work in a different way anyway. But this is definitely something that I'd had kind of on my mind for a while that we needed to perhaps combine all of the traditional kind of approaches to therapy, but use some of the new technology available so that we can reach out to more people. So that's exactly what we did with Well Minds. I love I love that because in my personal experience, so I, I'm you know a lifelong fan of therapy, dipping in and out of it whenever. And yeah, I do have the issues. You know, we spoke about this before I come on, on the podcast. I do have time issues where I, I work a phenomenal amount of hours, I'm, and I'm always juggling a thousand plates. So I, I do get that. I love. Mm the movement through lockdown that has brought this these sorts of facilities online it wasn't something that was ever available to me whenever I needed it previously so that's definitely something that um, I'm happy to access online now it's amazing mm. I've got quite a few friends who are therapists and they're offering that service online it's amazing but um, personally in my life my eldest daughter she was um, suffering with mental health issues um, since yeah for probably about a year from last summer mm. um and you know still has issues but but when we finally got her um seen by cams that when they assessed it even though she was you know feeling suicidal and everything they assessed her as being not ill enough to mm. need their help and mm. I and I know how mad that must make so many people but I've worked with the NHS for you know over 10 years now so I can have that empathy that a lot of parents mm. can't have because I, I, I've been at the financial end of things and I understand what situation they're in mm. and I understand putting pots of money in different sections is the hardest thing that they ever have to do and it, and it kills them and most of them are mm. clinical people that have gone into financial side so I understand how much it hurts them. But being in that situation as a mother and not having my business head on was really hard to hear. A child feels suicidal and they're not ill enough to mm. get any help, let alone immediate help. And I'm lucky I've got the money that I can pay for that help. Not a lot of people are in that position. What mm. would you say would be the best thing for... Well, for anyone who needs help, but what would okay. you say would be the best sort of resources for people if they either don't qualify mm -hmm. for help from the government, which is probably about 95% of people, yeah. or they feel like they don't have that financial money to spend on therapy? Yeah, 
Yeah. So um, this is another barrier that kind of gets in the way that, you know, the affordability, um, you know, we, we need to kind of make sure that our clients have got something that is sustainable and that it doesn't add another worry to their list. So we set up our business as a not for profit. So we're able to offer therapy services from £15 for a session. So um, any funds that we do make is ploughed back into our business to kind of make those sessions as affordable as we possibly can to improve technology and improve services and to do more around promotion of well-being and early intervention um and i know that 15 oh early intervention is just yeah. so important Absolutely. i mean 15 pounds is incredible yes but early is. intervention is by far the yes. most important thing yeah and I know that the £15 isn't affordable by everyone, but it does kind of open up the door to a lot more people. We'd never leave anyone without any support. So we'd work with that person to try and identify a service that would be right for them. Um, and you're absolutely right about what you say about the NHS. They do an incredible job in terms of helping people with their mental health. But the, the problem is their budgets will only go so far. So they're working yeah. with constrained budgets and trying to make that budget available and kind of servicing an awful lot of people. So, so they do have criteria in place and they do work often, not all the time, but often with limited number of sessions. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people need a bit more than that. So, you know, hopefully we're providing something different that people do have more option and, and you know, they can choose to kind of come to, to us for something a little bit different. Yeah, uh, that, what an incredible service that you, you provide. I mean, don't get me wrong, equally, it, the NHS make me more angry than my own children because the money that they waste on things that make me very angry. But institutionalized and they you know trying to turn that wheel is one sure. hell of a hard yeah slog but you know yeah every and day we get towards it it was interesting as well about what you said about your daughter Denise so from a kind of technology point of view and online there's a huge generation of people that prefer to converse and to kind of work in this way and there's going to be more as well particularly with lockdown kind of making us do more things online you know I don't think there's one family in the UK that hasn't tried to kind of do something over zoom whether it's a quiz or a family meet gathering or whatever so it's it's more familiar now and I think people now are not as worried about technology um, and are using it to do all sorts of things in their life and hopefully you know therapy will be one of those if they need it yeah no I, I I'm loving the, the the movement towards online I know that as a, a parent um you know we worry about our children being online but you know this lockdown has proven how vital it is to have those connections and I don't mm. think as a parent or as a generation, we understood quite how important it is for our mm. children to maintain those connections with their school friends and with their, you know, even with school teachers or services or anything, yeah. you know, and this lockdown has really proven just how important it is to just be able to constantly yeah. have that connection because we only really thought about it, about the children that you know were maybe too sick to go to school or homeschooled or anything like that we just thought that those services were for, for them but I'm loving the kind of movement mm, and I think yeah. it has it's yeah. incredible I, I know that face-to-face -face is vital in so many other ways and, and mm. especially for me as well I definitely 
get to the point where it's affecting my mental health if I don't get outside sure. and physically see people so I make yeah. sure I do that every, yeah. every it's, day it, it's really surprising in terms of the diversity of clients that we've seen already you know in terms of ages that we we're just talking about there you know we've had some some kind of people in their 70s and 80s that have been okay with the technology that we offer you know we try and make it as simple as possible so so that's that's worked really well for for all of our clients and of course we're able to work across the UK um which is brilliant because in some areas of the UK, counselling can be really expensive, particularly in the big cities. So it means that we're kind of breaking down those geographical barriers as well and kind of giving, giving a fair service to anyone who's able to access it. Absolutely. Um, therapy sessions here in St Albans are £65 an hour. Wow. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Mm. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to afford that, but it's not something that you, uh, you that anyone would mm. spend without consideration and obviously it's, it's you know it's so mm. important but it's phenomenal the price difference on anything when especially in St Albans it's just insane but you know it it is a such a barrier and mm. you know anyway we've, we've spoken about that and that's great the other barrier that I always see is that a lot of people see that there's still a stigma is that something that you find as well I think less so now. Um, it's still with some people, particularly, you know, they, they're very cautious about kind of what we do with our information, what we do with our data, who's going to find out about it. Um, almost almost a bit of a shame that they're coming to us to talk about the issues because we just assume that we're expected to kind of work everything out for ourselves. And that's not the case. So I think there is. But I think because we talk about it now more, um, and there's lots of kind of um, different articles every day in the news. There's something about kind of mental health or kind of a, a, a an organisation that's established. There's a lots of celebrities and royals that kind of champion the cause as well now. So I think it's still there, definitely. But I think we're getting better at kind of talking about it and being open and honest. Couldn't agree more. And I think the more that we... Um... If whenever we hear anyone stigmatising mental health the, and the more that we you know, educate those people into understanding that everyone has mental health and, yeah. you know, much like you would have a, a cold, you can feel down and much like you have an accident, you can have a crisis and much like you have, you know, a, a car crash, you mm. can, you know, it just you can get cancer and you can be diagnosed with schizophrenia yeah. it's you know it's yeah. unfair to have such a stigma on something mm. that is essentially exactly the same thing and it's something that I've always struggled with in my life I've never really understood stigma in anything really but I've never mm. really understood this stood this stigma with mental health so mm. I'm really really happy that that's kind of a movement that's that really has significantly moved forward and yeah. I think lockdowns helped that too because mm. So many people had to say, hands up, this lockdown's affecting my mental health. So many. Because yeah. it, it was obvious, you know, mm. you've, your life's changed overnight mm. in so many ways. Yeah. And, you know, you know, personally for me, things like <clears throat> I live, you know, hundreds of miles away from my, my family and I don't get to see them very often. But being told I couldn't see them was so hard. Mm. And things like that you just don't think about until mm. you're freedom gets taken away from you so really yeah 
and often busy lives and kind of going out and being with friends and and off to work and kind of commuting are all distractions from things that are perhaps mulling about in the background and need some help and once those distractions have gone and even our coping mechanisms you know kind of going out um gyms kind of cinemas and, and all of those things that perhaps we would use for our own self-care weren't there anymore so that's also got a big impact and then potentially you start looking at the unhealthy kind of coping mechanisms when you're kind of locked up and and um, on your own for a lot of time so oh yeah I mean can get worse can't they it was wine Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday mm. for me in the first lockdown and the mm. same with you know eating habits I was lucky because I'm a runner so I get out every day um, running but you know no amount of running was out doing a couple of glasses of wine a night and a, you know a couple of chocolate bars a night mm. we were just we treated the first lockdown like it was the week between Christmas and New Year and it was just yeah. incredible and luckily by the time we went into the second lockdown you know everyone in our house was like we're not doing that again because we just felt yeah. rubbish well, <laughs> it, yeah it, I understood why everyone did it because it was just mm. like oh, okay well don't know what to do in this situation what would we normally do when we're stuck in the house so let's eat and drink <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and it's so easy to do isn't it you know it's it's just so easy to kind of fill in those gaps of boredom or, or perhaps you're kind of really feeling down it's just so easy to do but not not very healthy no not healthy at all I felt like crap <laughs> so if people need your help where can they find you so we've got a website www.wellmindsonline.com um, wellmindsonline dot com yes yeah, dot com. um so you can come over to our website you can see what we do we've got the profile of our counselors on there we've got some self-help guides we've got articles we've got all sorts of information there so it's not all about maybe seeing a counselor maybe you could see some information on there that might just help you with with any issues that you've got going on right now yeah i love that so you were saying that this was all born during the first lockdown what one what made you you know think about this idea and two what were you doing before I know you said you're a psychotherapist but did you have your own business doing that as yeah. well yes I did so I was as um private practice and going right back to when I graduated when I did my master's degree as a counsellor my dissertation was all about therapy online which was was very very new then but mm. but those things have always stuck in my mind in terms of kind of the advantages yes there's some disadvantages of course there is but the the advantages for me far outweigh the disadvantages and it's not for everyone that's fine but I'm sure that there's lots of people that that you know it does really help and break down some of these barriers that we've just been talking about and just yeah. really more comfortable you know if it maybe feels less intense sitting and looking at someone's face on a screen than being face to face in a room you know we, we we tell ourselves that we have no waiting list and no waiting room which feels like the right kind of approach yeah, I mean, I was saying to you, one of my screens wasn't working and I couldn't see your mm. face on it. And I was saying to you, oh, I hate doing an interview and mm. I can't see someone's face mm. because facial expressions and mannerisms mean so much about the person and they mean so much about the context of what they're saying. And it's so important for me when I'm interviewing people to yeah. kind of see their what they do with themselves and how they say things and their facial expressions that they're using. Mm. It must be exactly the same when it comes to therapy. You know, mm. Zoom and all that's amazing. 
um but it wouldn't be the same on the phone and it wouldn't be mm. the same face to face so it's lovely mm. to have all of those different ways yeah. to bring that help to people that really need it yes absolutely and the phone is you know it's still really popular because some people will only commit to kind of just talking to us rather than seeing us and that's absolutely fine um and you know by giving them that choice it means that they could either see us or not see us or they could even use zoom and turn off their camera and see their therapist so there's still lots of things that we can do for each situation to make our clients feel as comfortable as possible um, and I think the other thing is as well that a lot of our clients will come along with a cup of tea generally not alcohol um, but they'll 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 bring a cup of tea some of them have their pets trot in and they'll sit next to them while they're in therapy you know what is more comfortable than being in your own space with your own things around you and with a cuppa on the go and that you know it just feels much more comfortable than perhaps going to a stranger's room yeah, I mean, my little Sherlock, he'd be sitting on my lap, licking the screen, wondering who you were. So, yeah, he'd bloody excellent. love it. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> so um, what's the plans for the business? Have you got future future goals, future plans? Yeah, we'd really like to do more around the promotion of kind of early intervention, as I said earlier on, um, you know, do some kind of self-care workshops that, that may need to be webinars, um, do something around kind of well-being and get people to just think about what they could do for themselves. You know, some of it is really easy. It's just that we don't probably put as enough importance on it, you know, drinking water, getting enough sleep, making time for rest, you know, all of those things that do us the world of good just slip off our radar don't they all the time so so really yes what we want to do is kind of um spread the word more in terms of kind of that kind of thing and um getting in front of more people and letting them know what we do yeah there's two things that i batter on well three things that i batter on about for mental health and for physical health is uh to drink tons of water yeah. to get as much sleep as you possibly can and to physically exercise I yeah. go on about this incessantly yeah. and eat, you know and some days I'll sit there and go shit I haven't drank any water yeah. today you know it just it happens I know that but yeah it's really I don't think people appreciate how good mm. it is for you until they do it consistently and then they feel yeah so much better yeah but even things like socializing as well you know we are um, social creatures and when that's taken away from us we do kind of get withdrawn even people that are fairly in introvert you know we we do like to kind of have interaction with other people and when when we're suffering with our mental health we tend to kind of shut ourselves away um so you know if we can keep things in balance and kind of keep doing those things taking care of ourselves making time for ourselves and and some sometimes people struggle with that as well because it just feels a bit selfish but it's really not you know we need to look after ourselves to be able to be there to support other people when they need it what's well, the airplane analogy always isn't it you, you yeah. put your mask on first yeah use that all the time yeah and then once people kind of understand that concept they feel a bit more comfortable with it but initially you know it's a bit like mm, you know who who would kind of suffer if I took a bit of time for myself but but you know no one will in fact probably be better because you'll feel more energized you'll feel more fresh yeah I'm going for a spa <laughs> spa day all day tomorrow and I don't care that nobody else is benefiting from it because without it I would you mm. know I'd have to buy a taser and taser everyone I know because they're yeah, just driving me mad. Yeah, that's not good, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a massage is saving so many people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming to the end of the podcast. You've told everyone where they can find you and you've told everyone yes. their future. Uh, anyway, yeah. 
I end all of the podcasts with eight mile moments. So I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. I say that on all of the podcasts and I love Eminem and I love the eight mile. And he does all of his rap battles by saying the worst things about him. He's skinny, he's white, his mum lives in a trailer so that his opponent can't say anything bad back about him. So Heidi, what are the worst things about you? Oh my goodness. The worst things about me. Um, probably don't take my own advice so when I talked about kind of making time for you um I don't do that enough I know I don't um I probably neglect uh family and friends a bit because of work because it's a new business and I kind of just immerse myself in it and get really quite excited about some of the things that we're doing but and you know I maybe shouldn't do that um and maybe a bit too much wine now and again but don't tell anyone no, I, I, there's nothing wrong with any of them because it's exactly what I'm like. Okay. <laughs> so that's so you're perfect, essentially, is what I'm saying. Fabulous, fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Heidi. You're welcome, you're welcome. And, oh, no, it's been lovely. As always, if anyone else wants to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor a podcast, you can contact us at info at find-surveyors.co.uk. Anyway, thank you so much, Heidi. Say goodbye Pleasure. to everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.